Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of Voo Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Um, we have been in a collection, this is our fifth week, uh, in the Gospel of Mark. And as a church, we have decided that we're not just gonna study this for a little while. We're going all the way into June. Uh, we're taking six months in one book of the Bible. And I'm telling you what, I'm enjoying it. I, I just believe the more that you read God's Word, the more God's Word reads you. This book is alive and it's active. And when you begin to read it, it starts to challenge you. It starts to do surgery on the inside of you. And uh, we've been talking around this idea of changes in the month of January. Now, here we are in February. This is our fifth part. And on this concept of changes, we've talked about uh, an invitation to change. We've talked about the cost of change. We've talked about the place of change. How many of you enjoyed Don Cherie's message last week? The companion of change. I thought today on part five, part five, I would preach to you from the subject, the point of change. The point of change. And I want us to look at Mark chapter two, starting in really verse 23. And we're gonna go all the way into Mark chapter three. Uh, just look at your neighbor right now and just say, yo, what's the point? Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, what's the point? In the chat, just say, what's the point? <laughs> Have you ever had one of those um, maybe moments in your life that you just royally missed the point? I, I kind of feel like in 2021, uh, we are so distracted. Uh, I, I'm one of these kind of guys now. Has this happened to anybody else? Is this just me? When I watch television of any sort, I have to watch it with closed captioning. Like, I don't know how I'll ever go back to the movies because I have to have the captions at the bottom. I feel like I can't just hear what you're saying. I have to hear it and read it simultaneously. The other night we were watching a movie and multiple times I had to stop the movie. I had to rewind it to go, I, I lost the context. I need to get back and figure out what it was they were saying. It's so easy in 2021 with distractions to, to miss the point. Uh, last week, I, I took a trip with uh, a few guys here at VU and we did what we called our Wilderness Week. You remember in a message I was preaching just a few weeks ago, I, I titled it, The Place of Change. And one of the questions I asked in the message is, where's your wilderness? Not literally, do you have a, a desert in your life, but more figuratively, where's your place of solitude with God? Where do you go to have communion with God and relationship with God? We decided that we would take that message a little bit literally. And so we actually went to uh, really the forsaken place. We went to Georgia out in the middle of nowhere. And for three days, we had a wilderness week where we sought God in silence and solitude. It was kind of funny because we got there to Georgia and I don't know about you, I'm a city guy. Um, I, I wanted to go alone, but then I quickly realized I don't know how to make food all by myself. Like <laughs> I would die in solitude. And so I had to bring some people along with me, but you know, we got there and as we were sitting out there in the middle of nowhere, we were setting our intention for the week. And one of the first things I said is, hey guys, this next three days, no cell phones. Like you got to put your phone away. You, you, we're not going to have our phones out here. We're going we're gonna to be alone with God and we're going to have some designated moments for community and for prayer together. Like I was setting the ground rules. And so we were doing all sorts of different types of disciplines. We were reading two different books. We were studying God's word together. We were praying. We were being alone with Jesus. 
And so the first block of time was a time to study. We were, we were gonna read a book. And so we all scattered and we were gonna be gone for two and a half hours from each other. I had just given the entire pep talk. I had just set the intention for the week. I just made it very clear what the point of the trip was. Stay off your phone. I went out into the woods and I had my backpack and I had all my gear and I'm out in the middle of the, the brush. I just can't see anybody anywhere I'm at. I'm just alone with Jesus and I'm, I'm reading my book. I'm about an hour into my book when I hear these noises. And I'm like, what are, these, what are these noises? What are these noises? And I look over and I can't even believe it, you guys. This is a big deal for a city boy. I look over and I see a pack of deer. They're right there. And like, you know, I'm an old school church. I'm like, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. I'm like, oh, this is a moment from God, you know? And I look at all these deer and they're so beautiful. I'm like, oh my goodness. And so what do I do? I break the rule. I, I, I quickly look for my, my phone because I want to capture this this grace-filled, God-centered moment. And I start going through my backpack and I'm, I'm looking for my phone and I finally find my phone. And now I'm trying to get the phone open and I'm trying to get the video camera because I have to capture this God-centered moment. As I'm pulling my phone up, the deer start to run. I'm going, oh no, the deer are running. And I, I'm getting my phone and I can't get the camera working. I finally get the camera working, but instead of it shooting at the deer, it's shooting at me and it's a selfie video and I'm hitting record and now I'm recording my stupid looking face. And I I'm missing all the deer running. And before you know it, the whole moment passed. I'm sitting there going, what was that? And I swear I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me right then and there in the first two hours of the trip saying, Rich, that whole moment was for you. It wasn't for anybody else. Have you ever missed the point? Have you ever just missed the moment? There I am. And it's like God is setting me up for this trip of solitude and silence. And right then and there, he's giving me this moment that wasn't for anybody else. But because I was so distracted, because I was so caught off guard, there I am, I'm searching for my phone. Why? So I can share the story with someone else? I think so often we live our life and we live our life wanting to share a great story that many times we miss out on living a great story. The point of change. What's the whole point? Why are we even talking about changes? Why do you even want to change? And just to really strip it down and make it crystal clear today, the point of change is to grow. The point of change is to become who God's called you to become. The point of change is to improve. See, that's the whole thing as we step into 2021, as we're six weeks into a brand new year. The question is, are you growing? Are you getting better? Have you missed the whole point? See, some of us, the reason why we don't change and the reason why we don't grow is because we miss the whole point of it and we try to stay the same and we try to fight to keep everything exactly how it used to be and we want to project a great life but we don't actually want to focus on living an actually great life. That's why some of you right now, you don't understand but the people you're hanging out with, it's not that they're bad people, It's that those people are not going to help you grow and you're missing the point. You're hanging on to old relationships that unless you release those people, you're never going to step into all that God has for you. What's, What's the point? The point is to grow. The point is to become. 
See, the point of change is not to merely look different. The point of change is to be different. I I don't just want to project something. I don't want to just capture it for you on my phone. Look at my incredible time in solitude. God sent the deer right on time. No, no, no. God says, before I do something through you, I want to do something in you. What's the whole point of all this change stuff? Why are we wanting to change in 2021? It's because we want to grow. It's because we want to become who who God wants us to become. I don't want you to get lost in all of the principles and all of the habits that you actually miss your moment, not to tell a good story, but to live a good story. I really believe it this year that the best thing that we can bring each season of life is our transforming selves. Are you transforming? Are you becoming? Are you growing? Someone say, I want to grow. When I think about the Bible and I think about people in the Bible that royally missed the point over and over again, I can't help but take an easy shot at the Pharisees. It's just too easy of a target, right? The Pharisees, if you don't know who they are, they are the religious group in Jesus's day. They are Jewish leaders who were living a zealous life trying to obey all of the old covenant. And the Pharisees in nature were not bad people. They were just people who constantly missed the point. And because they missed the point, their life was filled with pride and their pride lied to them. They gave up a life of progression for a failed attempt of living a life of perfection. See, the Pharisees' whole goal was to live a perfect life, to obey all of the law, not to make one single mistake. But what they did not realize is, is they were missing the whole point. They were resisting change. They were resisting growth. And because they were not progressing, instead they became filled up with self-righteousness and arrogance. They didn't transform. They didn't bring the best version of themselves to the table. Instead, they got stagnant and they became impressed with themselves rather than falling in love with the solution. His name is Jesus. And the Pharisees, as you study them, they're they're, they're very, very interesting because ultimately pride prevents us from growing. Like, Like, it's not just like, what's the point of change? It's also like, what are the points in your life that you do change? Like go back through your life. Go back to some of the defining moments that you've experienced. My guess is most of your defining moments weren't birthed out of pride. They were birthed out of humility. How many know that sometimes when you find yourself in a valley, when you've been humbled, it's not from the mountaintop that we tend to change. It's from the valley. The mountaintop makes you look down. The valley causes you to look up. It's not in looking down upon where you've been, but rather it's setting your gaze upon where God is that casts you a bigger vision of who you can become. It is there from a place of humility that you become open to change, open to grow. What's the point of change? The point of change is always from a place of humility. It's never from a place of pride. Pride lies to you and makes you think that you're perfect. But humility says, no, there's room to grow. There's room to improve. The point of change is that I would get better. I don't just want you to think that I'm different. I want to be different. I want God to do something in me before I try to have God do something through me. And the Pharisees, as you study them, right? They just, 
They miss the point over and over and over again. They are never aware of what it is that Jesus is doing or why he came. And so they resist the change because their pride prevents them from progress. Let me just, just go through it, right? They're always at odds with Jesus. Just in the little section that we've been studying, um, last week, Don Cherie kicked us off in Mark chapter two. We're not gonna get into all of Mark two today. We're gonna skip some, some sections, but just look at how they have disagreements with Jesus. In, in Mark chapter two, the story of the paralytic man, as he's lowered in from the roof, what was the disagreement about? The disagreement was about forgiveness of sins. They disagree with Jesus that Jesus could forgive the man. But then the next section we see Jesus, he goes and meets this tax collector named Levi. Tax collectors in that day and age were considered really bad people. They're like mobsters or gang members, if you will. They were extorting people of their money. They were stealing from people. You gotta love Jesus because he doesn't care about the crime. He cares about the criminal. (laughs) You see him hanging out with Levi and he calls Levi. Doesn't send Levi to the growth track doesn't send Levi to the baptism course. He just says, follow me. And Levi leaves his tax collector booth and starts following Jesus. But what happens is, is you just read a few verses there in Mark chapter two, Jesus is at a party with all the tax collectors. And what happens? The Pharisees show up and they're angry. What are they disagreeing about? They're not disagreeing about forgiveness. Now they're disagreeing about fellowship. They're saying, you can't hang out with people like that. That's not how a man of God is supposed to carry himself. A man of God shouldn't be at that party. A man of God shouldn't be sitting with those people. I love Jesus because he's not afraid to be guilty by association. And before we start judging the Pharisees, let me just do it early for all of us. I see more of myself in the Pharisees than I do in Jesus. It's easy to judge the Pharisees from this vantage point, but in all reality, you and I are much like the Pharisees. We get so puffed up with our works. We get so puffed up with our good deeds. But what happens is we miss the point of change. We stop growing. We stop becoming. We start becoming full of pride and pride prevents the progress. You can't hang out with them. What does Jesus say in Mark chapter two? Oh, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Anybody thankful that while you were sick in your sin, Jesus said, I came for you. Oh, come on, somebody. Give God some praise that he came and found you. I'm thankful that this God wasn't afraid or ashamed to be associated with me. I am no better than the tax collector. In fact, I am the tax collector. But it's not just a disagreement about, it's not just a disagreement about forgiveness, not just a disagreement about fellowship. What does he do next? The Pharisees now are mad at Jesus' disciples because they're not fasting enough. Well, John the Baptist's disciples, they fasted. How come Jesus' disciples don't fast? They've disagreed about forgiveness. They've disagreed about fellowship. Now they're disagreeing about fasting. You don't fast enough. Your fasting's wrong. I love Jesus. Jesus is like, yo, there'll be a time to fast, but while the bridegroom is here, it's time to party. (laughs) You're, You're missing the moment. This is a moment that I have with my disciples that is unlike any other moment in history. It's not for anybody else. No, 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 it's for them. And them being with me and in this celebration is how I will change the world because I will do something in them before I do something through them. But then we pick up to Mark chapter two, verse 23, and there's another disagreement. Forgiveness, fellowship, fasting. Now the disagreement is around the Sabbath and it comes down to this word freedom. They're disagreeing with Jesus around freedom. They're mad what Jesus is doing regarding the Sabbath. And 
I want to just talk to you today from this subject, the point of change. Hopefully we are not like the Pharisees that we miss the entire point to grow, to become. Hopefully we don't resist change, misunderstand the fact that change is how we become who God's called us to be. But also I want to show you three points of change today. Three points of change. The points in your life that you change forever is when you identify these three points. Let's look at Mark chapter two, verse 23, as we see the Pharisees once again, disagreeing with Jesus. And rather than judge the Pharisee, examine your own life today. Is there a Pharisee inside of you? Mark two, verse 23, watch this. This is what it says. It says one Sabbath, everyone say one Sabbath. Jesus was going through the grain fields and, all, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. Watch this, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. See, the first point of change is your viewpoint. Everyone say viewpoint. Very important that you see this, that that a viewpoint is a perspective. A, A viewpoint is the way that you see things. We don't see things for how they are. We see things for the way that we are. It's important that we view God's commands correctly because the point of change starts with your viewpoint, how you you see things. It's a point in your life that you've got to get right. I, I love what's taking place here because Jesus, we've seen all these disagreements he's had with the Pharisees. Now it's Sabbath. Let's just stop right there and, discuss what this means. The Sabbath is the seventh day of the week in the Jewish calendar, which means it's Saturday. And the Sabbath, according to Jewish custom, begins on sunset of Friday night to sunset of Saturday night. It's the fourth commandment of the 10 commandments. And it's a day that's meant to be holy. The Sabbath is this day that God would say it's part of the rhythm of your life, that you're to work six days and you're to rest the seventh day. That if you'll, if you'll work six days, and then if you'll trust me with the seventh day, I will, I will better your best. I will better your rest. I'll take your rest and I'll do the best. It's a, it's a pattern. It's a rhythm that he is setting out. And it's not really just like a principle for your personal life. According to God's word, this principle begins all the way back in the book of Genesis. It is the cadence of creation that, The earth itself, the universe has a rhythm to it. Tides come in and tides go out. The the moon, it's there in the earth and it controls these tides and there's this rhythm. The sun sets, the sun goes down. There's there's seasons, they come and they they go. There's morning and there's night. It's a picture of how the earth works. I think we live in a world right now where everybody's looking for balance. I just want to find balance. You find yourself in 2021 going, I just need to find some balance. But I think that's the wrong word. I don't think that we should be looking for balance. I think that we should be seeking out rhythm. Life 
is about seasons. You must understand that each season of your life, it comes and it goes and it looks different. What I love about Jesus is Jesus is somebody who honored the Sabbath. He celebrated the Sabbath. He honored the Sabbath. He would work for six days and then he would stop and he would rest on the seventh day. It was the rhythm of Jesus's life. It was to keep a healthy soul. It was to keep a healthy life. It wasn't necessarily balanced, but it was full of rhythm. I think the mistake that you and I make is many times we don't ever take time to define the season that we're in. Let me just tell you something. 36 years of age with two little kids and a little girl on the way, that season looks different from when I was 25 years of age with a wife being a youth pastor. It's, it's not that one's better than the other. It's that they're just different seasons. What season are you in? I always say it this way to our staff and our team. We must define our season so we can determine our rhythm. What's the rhythm of your life? Where is it that you're finding time to pause, to stop, and to get recovery for your soul? That's what the Sabbath was all about. The Sabbath was about you finding rhythm to your life. Because if you don't find rhythm to your life, your life will be offbeat. You ever met somebody who, who's offbeat? Exhibit A, right here. That's me, yo. Like, uh, you don't want to sit next to me in church. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's all these years, nothing's, nothing's took, bro. It's just, I'm a, I'm a clap offbeat. I'm a get you offbeat. You're not going to enjoy it, you know? I'm a sing loud, off-key, and offbeat. That's a, that's a disaster, right? You ever tried to freestyle rap before? Where, where are we at? Well, come on, where's... Few of us, a few of a few of us. Yeah, like like I remember one time, you know, um, I was with some buddies and they were freestyle rapping, you know, they had a beat dropping, and it was like they're passing, you know, the flow to each other. And it's like, yo, Rich, you're up, man. I'm like, yeah, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah, yo, yo, turn the beat up, yo, yo. Turn the beat up, turn my headphones up, you know. There's only so many things you can say before you actually have to begin the flow. <laughs> The problem is I can't keep the beat. I don't know when to come in. I don't know when to go out. And it's disastrous. It's not because I don't have anything to say. It's that I don't know how to get on beat. And just because I have something to say, it doesn't really matter if I don't know the flow. I just felt like preaching to some people today that, that it's not that you don't have anything to do. It's not that you don't have a gift to bring. It's not that you're not called. It's not that you don't have a purpose. It's just that your life is constantly offbeat. And it doesn't really matter how much gifting and how much talent and how much calling, how much purpose you have. If you don't find the flow, it will never, ever work. Life is about a flow. Sabbath is about the flow of your soul. Is your soul flowing? And too often or not, we don't even think about our soul and our soul is offbeat and our life is offbeat and it just sticks out like a sore thumb and everything feels forced and everything feels mechanical and nothing seems to go together. Maybe, just maybe, it's because you haven't defined your season, therefore you haven't determined your rhythm. The scripture says that Jesus on the Sabbath, he was, he was walking through. And I just, I have to stop there because we're talking about changes. 
And I just want you to catch this, that you need to adhere to this practice. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. Sabbath is not about taking a vacation. I just need a vacation. No, you can go on a vacation and come back just as depleted or even more depleted than you did the day that you left. It's about a soul rest. It's about a posture of your heart. It's about getting alone with God and letting him refuel you and refill you. What's amazing about the Pharisees is that the Pharisees, they didn't get mad at people for necessarily breaking the law. More often than not, the Pharisees got mad at at people for breaking their law. Because these guys had always missed the point of the law, they had the wrong viewpoint of the law, you know what they did? They added additional rules to the law, all with the hope of perfecting it, all with the hope of not getting it wrong. This is the heart of legalism, by the way. Legalism is not necessarily what you do. Legalism is always the motivation of your heart, why you do what you do. The Pharisees had a scoreboard. It was an imaginary scoreboard but they were putting points up on the scoreboard. And when they did good, they thought God owed them. When they did bad, they thought they owed God. Both are a lie. (laughs) And the Pharisees were adding to the law constantly. But according to Jewish tradition, there was 39 different things that you could not do on the Sabbath. One of those was that you could not pick any type of grain on the Sabbath day. Jesus and his disciples are are, are passing through this grain field and his disciples begin to pick the heads of it. And as they pick the heads of it, quickly the Pharisees see it and they get angry. And they say, you're not allowed to do that. You can't do that type of work on the Sabbath day. I love Jesus because Jesus, he comes back with his response. And as you listen to Jesus' response, he's not giving an excuse. Instead, he's setting a precedent. Very important. He's like a good lawyer. Notice how he says it. As they accuse him of something, Jesus says, have you never read the scriptures before? Meaning he feeds the religious people the Bible as his precedent. And what does he say? He draws them back to an Old Testament story about King David. He says, have you never read the time that King David with his men took the consecrated bread from the temple courts and they ate it. Now, as you read this, you say, why is he doing this? Jesus, he points out this moment for two reasons. Reason number one, he points this moment out is because David was a Jewish hero. David was this like, this larger than life character in God's word. But not just that, everybody believed that the Messiah was going to come from the house of David. In fact, we're gonna read in a few weeks, uh, blind Bartimaeus, when he sees Jesus, what does he say? Some of you've already read ahead, you're in your journal. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus is making the connection that as the Messiah comes, I will be the son of David, but he's also making the connection that if David did this, why wouldn't you expect me to do this? But now he's gonna go further because his disciples are not in hunger or fearing death from a king. They are fine. They are just a-okay. He's also saying, but this son of David is also to be the Lord of David. Meaning I'm supposed to come from his house, but I'm also supposed to be superior to him. Therefore, I'm gonna do the same thing he did, but not have the same reasons why he did it. 
what he was doing in the moment is once again, he was revealing like Mark 1, 1 says that I'm here on my mission. I'm Jesus in action. I am the son of David. I am the Messiah, but I'm also God in the flesh. Have you never read before? Have you never read God's word? You know all about the Sabbath, but you don't know the Lord of the Sabbath. This is why he stops and he says this great thing. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. What's he saying once again? He's saying, you guys know all about the principle of the Sabbath. You guys have created all sorts of additional rules to the Sabbath, but somehow you've missed the entire point of the Sabbath. You have no idea that the Sabbath is there to restore your soul. Instead, what you've done to the Sabbath is you've made it deplete people's soul. Why? Because your viewpoint about God's commands makes them either a blessing or a burden. And so many of us in this room, we have the wrong viewpoint. And because we have the wrong viewpoint about what God says, instead of it being a blessing in our life, it becomes a burden in our life. I wonder today what God has said to you that you are misinterpreting because of a wrong viewpoint that now somehow it becomes burdensome rather than being a blessing in your life. We could go through all the different commands in God's word and until you shift your viewpoint, you will always see them as a burden instead of a blessing. The reason why some of you don't tithe is because you think it's a burden. It's not a burden, it's a blessing. The, the reason why some of you have not uh, gotten your sex life down to one partner is because you think God is making your life smaller and it feels like a burden. It's not a burden, it's a blessing. The reason why you continue to hold on to unforgiveness and resentment and offense and bitterness is because you feel better about yourself carrying those things. I'll tell you what, the point of change today is the day that you get a new viewpoint about what God has told you. If you'll forgive, if you'll let it go, you will be released. It will be a blessing to you. The Pharisees were more focused on keeping the Sabbath than they were with reaping the point of the Sabbath. They had the wrong viewpoint. And here's Jesus. Jesus is like, don't you know the story of David? You guys are all really impressed with him. Well, I come from his lineage, but I am superior to him. So I'm gonna do what he did, but I'm not gonna give you the same reason as to why he did it because I'm not just the Messiah that you know, I'm also the son of God. So I want you to understand that this thing called the Sabbath, guess what? You weren't created for it. No, it was created for you. It was always meant to be a gift to your life. It was always meant to be a blessing to your life. It was never meant to be a burden. All of the practices, all of the habits, they are not to be a burden. They are to be a blessing. You weren't created for them. They were created for you. You weren't created for solitude. Solitude was created for you. Meditation, you weren't created for meditation. Meditation was created for you. Do you have the right viewpoint? I wonder how, how many of you right now, the reason why you're not growing in these categories is because you have the wrong viewpoint. And you keep seeing these blessings from God, these gifts from God as burdens. And Jesus is like, let me just set the record straight. You weren't created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for you. And then he says something so bold. He's like, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So uh, actually you and your self-righteous, full of pride, arrogant, missing all why I'm here, accusing me, the one who created this thing called the Sabbath as to what I can do on this Sabbath. Uh, you've missed it. 
I am the Lord over it. I created it. I made it. I can do whatever I want with it. In fact, Jesus has given us something bigger. He's saying the Sabbath is not confined to a day. The Sabbath is now found in a person. So no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing in Jesus, you can find Sabbath. This is why he says in Matthew chapter 11, oh, watch this. This is just good. What does Jesus say? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. It's not going to happen going on vacation somewhere. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen in Jesus. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced, here's the word, rhythms of grace. Get your life on beat. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus is being bold and he's being loud. You got the wrong viewpoint. Let me just tell you, the first point of change is to change your viewpoint. As you change your viewpoint, as you begin to see God's word, not as a burden, but as a blessing, all of your life starts to get in rhythm. Do not miss the point, ladies and gentlemen. You were not created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for you. Jesus came for you. Jesus wants to bring rest to you right now, today. Somebody give God some praise in this place. I love Jesus because he doesn't just say it. He's now going to display it. Mark chapter three, verse one. We're just walking through the text. We've stepped into the next chapter. It says, another time, Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking, watch this. Please underline this in your Bible. We're just teaching today. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal them, heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Three points of change. The first point is your viewpoint. Your second, second point of change is your standpoint. Your standpoint. Standpoint speaks to the, to the mental state. It speaks to your attitude or it speaks to your beliefs about something, how you judge something. The scripture says that on another occasion, it was the Sabbath, they were in the synagogue. And as Jesus comes into the synagogue, there's a man there who has a shriveled hand. We've talked for many weeks about how people viewed sicknesses or disabilities. They they, 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 they said your, your, your sickness or your disability had to do with the sin in your life. Because you have sin in your life, that, that's why your, your hand is shriveled. And as Jesus comes into the synagogue, the scripture says that this man there with a shriveled hand was there in the synagogue. But notice what it says. It says the Pharisees who always miss the point, who are so full of pride, they begin to look for a reason to accuse Jesus. I just felt like saying it this way. What are you looking for today? What are you looking for today? I've just noticed that um, what you look for, you tend to find. It's amazing that these guys are, are in the synagogue, but they're in the synagogue for all the wrong reasons. Which tells me that you could be in church 
but you can be in church for all the wrong reasons. Tells me that you can go to crew, but you can be in crew for all the wrong reasons. You can go to growth track, but you can be in growth track for all the wrong reasons. You can be on a team, but you can be on a team for all the wrong reasons. What are you actually looking for? They came to church that day looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, looking for a reason to see where he would do it, not how they wanted it. They were resisting the change that he was bringing. They were full of pride. They were full of self-righteousness and they were looking for a reason to accuse him. What are you looking for today? Are you looking for a reason to believe or are you looking for a reason to doubt? Are you looking for a reason to be, to be happy? Or are you looking for a reason to be sad? Are you looking for a reason to worship or are you looking for a reason to worry? Are you looking for a reason to celebrate or are you looking for a reason to criticize? Watch this. Are you looking for a reason to stay or are you looking for a reason to leave? Whatever you go looking for, you tend to find it. These Pharisees so full of pride, not progressing, stuck in their self-righteousness up on their mountaintop looking down upon everybody else, missing the whole point of why Jesus came. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. They liked that answer. They said, oh, okay. That's why he's hanging out with all those bad people. They didn't recognize that he was actually saying it to them. I came for you. You're just so sick, you can't even tell you're sick. Self-deception, it's self-righteousness. It's called religion. And religion prevents us from growing. Religion prevents us from changing. Religion prevents us from becoming. Here's Jesus. He walks in and he, he knows why they're there. But he looks at that man. And as he looks at that man, he says, hey, stand up in front of everyone. Now, when he says this, it doesn't seem once again like a big deal to you and I. But as he's doing this, everyone knew what he was about to do. And according to Jewish custom, the only way that you could help somebody on the Sabbath was that if it was a life or death situation. This man's shriveled hand is not a life or death situation. Meaning the rules of that day would say, Jesus, do this healing on Sunday, on the next day. Wait for the Sabbath to finish and then you can heal him. But Jesus is like, nah, um, it might not be a life or death matter, but it matters to me. And so when he tells the man to stand up, the man who's getting ready to stand up, he fully understands that Jesus is breaking the law according to the custom. And for the man to stand up would mean that he is putting himself under the authority of Jesus. He's being obedient to his will, which means now as he stands up, he's putting himself in the place of being on trial. Now, I don't know if he went there that day hoping to be put on trial, but something tells me that he went there that day saying, just the hope of having my whole body healed is worth the sacrifice that I might have to pay to stand up and stand out. And can I just tell everybody that Jesus has been looking at a generation for 2,000 years and he is always looking at a generation and he is always calling every one of us to stand up and stand out. He says, if you're gonna follow me, you have to actually be willing to let people know that you're unashamed, you're unafraid, you're unapologetic about what they might say or about what it might cost you. This thing following Jesus is gonna cost you some stuff. You're gonna to have to sacrifice some stuff. 
In this moment, this man, as he stands up and as he stands out, what he is declaring is he's declaring my standpoint is that Jesus is who he said that he is. See, the reason why he calls us to stand up and stand out is because Jesus always wants to know what your standpoint about him is. What's your mental thought about Jesus? What's your, what's your attitude towards Jesus? Watch this. What's your belief towards Jesus? Because the point of change is when you define your standpoint. Listen, if you can't stand on your point, you don't have a standpoint. I put my hope in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. If he calls me to stand up and if he calls me to stand out, my faith is not words, my faith is an action. My faith is found not in just what I say, but in what I do. And this might cost me everything and I might be critiqued and I might be judged and I might be completely misinterpreted, but I believe who Jesus is. And the moment the man stood up and the moment that he stood out, he was declaring my standpoint about Jesus is that not only is he the Messiah, but he is the son of God. You gotta love Jesus. Jesus says, stretch out your hand. And the man stretches out his shriveled hand. Isn't it interesting? Jesus doesn't tell him what hand to put out. There's a lot of us, Jesus, they put out your hand. It's like, let me, let me put out my good hand. But if he would have put out his good hand, he would have missed the whole point of the moment. Jesus wasn't trying to heal his good hand. Jesus came for his bad hand. But how many know that we can't expect Jesus to heal what we refuse to reveal? My, my dentist goes to Vu Church. Shout out to Omar Vasquez. I just felt like today would be a good day of confession for our church. I have tartar buildup. I have plaque. I'm not proud of it at all. But every time I go to the dentist, I'm like, this is, oh man. I don't want Omar to see just how bad my teeth really are. I have to open my mouth. I have to show him, no, I have not flossed every day like you told me. No, I have not gotten the soft bristles as you have prescribed. I'm still using hard bristles because when I bleed, I feel like I'm accomplishing something. Yes, I know I'm months, hopefully years away from having to have a gum replacement surgery. I, I, I know it all. But if I don't come and expose the mess in my mouth, it's never gonna get cleaned. It's never gonna get healed. It will just stay dirty. There's always this point of vulnerability. There's always this point that I have to expose. If I want it cleaned, I've gotta expose that which is unclean. Stretch out your hand. I think if it was church in 2021, a lot of us, would have put up our good hand. It's my good hand. <laughs> put the bad hand in our pocket. But change doesn't come from that moment. Change happens the moment you decide that your standpoint about Jesus has become greater than the shame about yourself. 
My standpoint about Jesus is that not only is he the Messiah, not only has he come to rescue me from my sin, but he is healer and he is God in the flesh. And although my hand is shriveled and although my mouth is dirty and although my life is unclean, I recognize today that my belief about him and my attitude about him, it is far greater than the shame I have about myself. Therefore, I will extend and showcase all of which is broken, all of which is corrupt, all of which is dirty. Why? Because I want to grow. I want to become who he's called me to become. I don't want to miss the point. And so from a place of humility and from a place of vulnerability and from a place of brokenness and a place of shame, I come out of hiding. But as I step into the light, I might walk lighter. I might catch the rhythm of his grace. The scripture says he stretches out his hand and instantly, immediately, Mark loves that word immediately, immediately his hand was completely restored. It was completely restored. It was completely restored. It's, it's interesting because Jesus, he asked some questions. Jesus knew what they were thinking, knew the reason why they had come, knew that they were looking for a moment to accuse him. So before he does the miracle, he asked them a question. He's setting precedent. He's trying to get to our hearts. He's trying to give you the whole point of change. It's not just to look different, it's to be different. I don't want to be a part of a church that can fake it till we make it. I want to be a part of a church that's authentic and real and saying, I came here to really get the point. Jesus says, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? And Jesus said, of course, this can wait till tomorrow. But the whole point of the Sabbath, the whole point of the principle, the whole point of the practice is that it would result in charity and love and compassion of our fellow man. And if this man is here today, we can heal him in this moment. I think you've missed it. Is the point of the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? It would be evil not to help the man if we could. But then he says something, it's kind of confusing. He says, to save life or to kill. Now, nobody's life is at danger, except for Jesus. Jesus, once again, in his own subtle, but piercing, surgical way, is looking at the Pharisees, looking at you, looking at me, saying, it's, it's amazing. You're mad at me for about to heal this man. But while I'm healing this man, you're thinking of a way that you could kill me. You tell me who got the Sabbath wrong. You tell me who missed the point. That while I'm doing this good thing, you're thinking an evil thing. You're thinking a bad thing. You're thinking the worst thing. They're thinking how they can kill him. And there was silence in the room. Because so often when our heart is checked, <laughs> There's no words to give because the conviction hits us so hard. And the silence that falls over the room that nobody says, heal him. Nobody says anything. The man's just standing there in his shame. The man's just standing there embarrassed. He stood out in front of everyone. Everybody's looking at him. Everybody sees him. 
He shows me a picture of what a generation could look like. Would we stand there? Would we trust him? Would we follow him? Would we stand up with our weaknesses? Would we stand up with our negative tendencies and say, all I have to give is what I am. And so I give you everything, Jesus. And if you can use a donkey and if you can use a rock and if you can use anything, you can use me. So here I am with my shriveled hand. Here I am with my deficiencies and my disabilities. Here I am with my weaknesses. Here I am with my problems, but I'm standing here and I'm standing out, trusting that you are who you said that you are. My standpoint is you are who you said that you are. Jesus, he, he gets angry, the scripture says. And three points of change is your viewpoint. How do you view God's word? Because if you're gonna change this year, the change is gonna happen when you start to see God's word, not as a burden, but as a blessing. Not as something that's trying to make your life smaller, but something that's gonna make your life bigger. Not as something that's trying to diminish what he wants to, but something that's gonna bring protection to your life. It's not just your viewpoint, it's your standpoint. What's your standpoint about him? Are you willing to step up and step out? Are you willing to expose the weak areas of your life that he might bring strength and might bring healing to it? If you continue to conceal it, it'll never be healed. You have to reveal it. You have to expose it. But it's not just your viewpoint. It's not just your standpoint. It's your boiling point. It's your boiling point. Because Jesus becomes angry and he's angry that there is such apathy in the room. He is angry that people could be in church and miss the whole point. He's angry that people could be there for all the wrong reasons, that they could gather and take the time to put YouTube on and gather and get to crew, but miss the whole point. And the whole point is to grow. The whole point is to improve. The whole point is to become. The whole point is to love God. And the whole point is to love others. And what happens, Mark chapter three, verse six, watch this, because this is the boiling point. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So we see on one hand, Jesus is angry at the apathy, but the last verse of our study today is now the Pharisees join with the Herodians and they put together a plot of how to kill Jesus. Now, it might not seem like that big of a verse to you, but you've got to understand what's happening. The Pharisees, as we know, is the religious sect of the day. They're not bad guys, they're just full of pride. They represent you and I, we do it all the time. We think we're better than we are and we stop growing, we stop becoming and they become self-righteous. And from the mountaintop, they wonder why they don't grow and why they don't become. It's because they're not broken. It's because they're not humble. But the Herodians, they were allies of King Herod. Herod was one of the most wicked kings who lived in that day. They represented the world. They represented paganism and secularism. They represented a society that would push God out and here we see what takes place. That there's a boiling point that happens. And the boiling point is, is that these people have become so angry with Jesus that we now see religion and the world join forces. Because you better understand that neither religion nor the world have any tolerance for Jesus. You better understand that just because somebody's doing something in the name of God doesn't mean that they come in the name of Jesus. And you better recognize that when the world and religion join forces, the only people they come to attack are grace kids, people that are walking with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because boiling points matter. What makes you angry matters. What ticks you off 
matters. You're either angry with Jesus or you're angry at Jesus. You can't have it both ways. And when we hit boiling points, we gotta ask ourselves, is my anger coming from a righteous place or is it coming from an unrighteous place? I don't know about you, but I wanna live my life with a righteous anger that when I look upon my city, when I look upon my world, that I wouldn't sit on my mountaintop or my soapbox and judge people, but rather I would run to the brokenness and I would run to the pain and I would run to those that are hurting, that I would open my eyes, that I might be a gift, that I might be a blessing, that I might bring a solution to the problem let religion fall off I don't want any part of this world but I don't want any part of this religion either I come before you today empty of myself humble saying God fill me up I'm either angry with Jesus or angry at Jesus what's your boiling point because Jesus is the point of change he's the whole point When you meet him, everything changes. When you see like him, everything changes. When he becomes your standpoint, when you stand on him, he is the only point worth standing on. He is a solid rock that when the storms come, you will not bend, you will not break. It's not a principle, it's a person. But today, because I follow him and because I serve him, my life is full of passion. I go into Monday full of passion. I go into two, I I hit hump day full of passion. Because I don't care where he's placed me. I don't care what my job title is. I am angry about the fact that there are people walking around carrying shame when they don't have to. And that anger, it results in a godly passion that everything I do, I do it with passion. Everything I do, I throw my entire self into it. Everything I do, I see it as a cause, not just a cause that's worth dying for, a cause that's worth living for, that I wanna give myself to it. It's called the point of change and Jesus is the point of change. He changes our viewpoint from religion to relationship. He changes our standpoint from ashamed to confident. And he changes our boiling point from unrighteousness to righteousness. It's the point of change. What's the point today? The point is, is that you would grow. The point is, is that you would become. The point is, is that you would improve. The point is, is that you would be like Jesus. I wonder today, can you see God's word through a new lens? Can you get a new viewpoint, new perspective? What's your standpoint on Jesus? What's your boiling point? He wants to use your life before he does something through it and gives you a story to tell. He wants you to live that story because he's going to do something in you. Don't miss the moment. We're going to worship. I don't want you to miss the moment. Don't reach for your phone. Don't capture it for somebody else. What's God want to do in you? Don't, don't, don't just seek to look different. Be different. It starts today. The point of change, it starts 
today. Your heads bowed, your eyes are closed, wherever you're at today. God, I pray for people. Lord, I pray for people right now, God, all over this place, wherever they're tuning in from, wherever they're watching from right now, God, if they're watching on YouTube, Lord, if they're watching on Zoom right now, God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to move in their life, Lord, that they would begin right now, God, Lord, to hear from heaven, Jesus, that you'd convict, that you'd speak to them, Lord. Let something arise on the inside of them, Lord. Give them a passion, Lord, for you like never before. Today, God, it's the point of change. We're at the point of it, Lord. The whole point is that we might grow, that we might become. Lord, I pray for people right now. New perspectives, Lord. New belief, Lord. Let them double down on their belief in you, God. God, I pray they would seek you out. Give them a reason to worship, Lord. Give them a reason to believe, God. Give them a reason to stay today. God, I pray that today as a church, Lord, that once again, our heart would break for what your heart breaks for, God, that we would seek out a revival, that we'd live our life, Lord, on purpose for your glory and for your people, that people might encounter you, that people might meet you. Today, Jesus, we're putting all of our trust, we're throwing all of our life into your hands today, God. God, we believe that today, right now, here and now, Lord, you can change us. God, we come to you humble. God, we come to you today, Lord, vulnerable, Lord, exposing our weak areas. Come on, church, if you believe that today, come on, why don't you lift your hands? Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.